Hey y'all, quick note. While My Hero Academia was created for kids, this podcast is not safe for work or children. All trigger warnings and spoilers for each episode can be found at our website, myheroanalysis.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, y'all. This is My Hero Analysis, a podcast about My Hero Academia, a.k.a. Boku no Hero Academia. We are three grown adults who mine Japanese children's cartoons for serotonin because God knows our brains aren't making it naturally. Hey, y'all. I'm Fern. I can feel a sneeze building, so who knows <laughs> that will happen. <laughs> also, work is still kicking my ass. Uh, but somehow I ended up spending half of my day reading Eraser Mike fanfic. So yes. that's the kind of day I had. <laughs> yes, it's the perfect way to spend your day. It's really uh, good. I'm going to have to drop a link. Yeah, you better. Uh, I'm Nicole. I am so bone weary, so exhausted, so fatigued that my Adderall did absolutely nothing for me today, y'all. Oh. Oh, it was rough. But it's Poor baby. Rough. It's fine. It's fine. I move into my new place in two days and Yay. I've started my new job and I'm being an adult and it's going to be worth it eventually. You are so brave and so I strong. I am so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to get through this. Yes, I believe in you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, hey y'all, it's Maria, and um, I'm running on some energy. It's been chaos today. You have a machete sitting next to your computer. Dude, I'm, I'm so, so excited. Jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous of the mug with a flask, honestly, because <laughs> I already have a pickaxe, so I'm good on the weapons front. Well, I damn, bu- I need a weapon. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes. Yes, uh. you do. We'll have to brainstorm Are you a one. true queer without a weapon? No, I'm not. And my license is in jeopardy. We need to get me a weapon. <laughs> Your license is suspended. No queering for you. Oh. Uh, so yeah, I have a machete. One of my friends gave me a machete for my birthday. Yes, everyone um, say happy birthday, Maria. Yeah, my birthday. So um, I, it's, it's, it's been a time. It's been a weird couple of days. I am, I'm still catching up on sleep. Um, it's been chaotic this morning. I don't know how the coffee machine went out at work. I had to leave work to go buy Starbucks. Oh my God. That <laughs> is was, a true crisis. I was tired. And so my coworker was like, just, just leave, go get your coffee. You're not. <laughs> They're like, you're useless. Just go get coffee. Yeah, pretty much. It's sad when my coworkers know me that well. Um, but so, yeah, so I started starting off the day strong and then like, um, we had to push back recording because of me. Cause I forgot that I had, um, so I sometimes get to go to a uh, restaurant openings Oh, well, that is such a burden for you. (laughs) (laughs) Where'd you go? I mean, um, it's called the Glass House. Um, It's a new restaurant that's opening in RTP. Um, But they had like hors d'oeuvres and like fancy cocktails. And they gave us a complimentary glass of rosé. It was Mm. really nice. 
yeah, yeah that sounds dope <laughs> yeah so like, and yeah, then if anybody's in the rtt area go check that place out yes uh and then i got a machete and a glass with a shot on it a flash shot flask and a painting and i'm just oh god i'm running on some energy <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you're doing great i don't know about that but at least right now i'm doing great we're gonna hang on to the joy of this moment yes well you can because i have no joy <laughs> because uh fern ever so um not smartly added in a little section for news on our episode outlines uh, this isn't actually news but we are recording this a few days after chapter 362 dropped uh that that should give you some real insight into our psyches as we record this episode yeah nicole and i are uh i don't even know how to describe it honestly we're on we, some we're on something we're <laughs> on about three different astral planes at any moment sometimes up to five yep. um the angina continues just <laughs> constantly <laughs> Oh, we're not going to say. Oh, poor babies. I know. We're not going to say what happens in 362 if you somehow manage to avoid the spoilers up to this point. But it's a, it's, it, no, it wasn't a good one, y'all. So I'm glad. A lot. Yes. I'm glad this episode we're doing is fun. Like, no sad, only fun. Yes. I am sending y'all all the good vibes and all the hugs. You thank better. You, thank you. Send me a weapon. <laughs> you joke. I will. <laughs> that would, nothing would make me happier. But anyway, <laughs> let's get the, let's, uh, let's get this episode started. So yeah. this week we're covering episode 19 of season two, everyone's internships. And this episode is actually anime only. So there's no chapter equivalent in the manga. So I'll lead us through a brief synopsis, then Maria's Science Corner, if there's anything to mention there, and then hand it off to Nicole for discussion topics, manga differences, of which there will be none, and Easter eggs. So <laughs> we start the episode with an update on our troublesome threesome. Izuku is stuck in the hospital for an extra day because of his injuries, of fucking course. Tenya was able to go be with his family, so he's all healed up. And Shoto's returned to Endeavor's agency to finish his internship. And I just, at one point, Shoto just lords the whole stain thing over his dad, who's clearly upset about it. And it is just, oh my God, it's hysterical. It's beautiful moment. It is perfect. I, I cackled so loudly. I was glad. Oh, a kitty. Hi, kitty. Um, I cackled so, sorry, there was a cat walking by the window. Um, I cackled so hard that I was glad my mom was at work because she would have been concerned. Um, <laughs> when is she not? <laughs> true. Also, Shoto's bag has like a little kitty graphic on it. And Aww. now Shoto is firmly in the cat lover club headcanon with Aizawa and Shinso. As uh, Shoto should, <laughs> he mm -hmm. deserves it, and more. But also, cat friends unite. 
Yes. Oh my God. Yes. So fun fact, one of the more popular rare pairs is Shoto and Shinso. And I'm starting to see it. Like I kind of get it. Oh, how did I not think of that? That is a good one. It's weirdly appropriate. Yeah. They've got a lot in common. Well, now now I'm going to be consumed with that for the rest of my life. So thank you, but not thank you. You are so very welcome. So then we get the opening credits and then we cut to Katsuki and BJ on patrol while BJ tries to teach Katsuki to be less of a feral gremlin. No, no, BJ. Katsuki deserves to be the feralist gremlin the world has ever seen. He's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, at one point, um, Katsuki starts yelling at these kids because they bring up the, um, the sludge guy incident. And you know what? I think those kids kind of deserve to get yelled at. Like, you know, sometimes you just need a harsh lesson about not bringing things up with no warning that someone might find painful or even triggering to remember. And yeah, uh, sorry, not sorry. They deserved it. (laughs) They deserved it. I'm glad they cried. You're never too young to learn about triggers or too old for that matter. Mm -hmm. And from a too much analysis perspective, because let's face it, that's all we do is too much analysis. Mm -hmm. I have to hope that BJ saw Katsuki being triggered in this moment and that that contributed to their relationship building starting here. Yeah, I completely agree. They got to learn that sometimes it's best not to bring things up. Yep. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people get upset when you do stupid shit. So, so you get screamed at because you deserved it. Go cry. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, also, at one point, BJ mentions that patrols um, that these heroes do give people peace of mind. And that's one of the reasons they do them. And I think I'm going to call bullshit. Like, I'm 100% sure that they are purely an intimidation tactic. But honestly, that's like a whole other topic. Yeah, for real. He, he is just skating so dangerously closely to having a Blue Lives Matter sticker on his car. We mm. can't even get into it right now. Anyway, so Katsuki also actually calls him out on this. And he says, I think you just like being recognized. Like, <laughs> yes, be pedantic all you want, BJ. You're still just a chump ass praise junkie. God, I love Katsuki so much. He has a funny talent for seeing past bullshit, which is hilarious considering the amount of bullshit he carries on his back every single day. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) It is perfectly ironic. I love it so much. So then we get a series of jump cuts. Um, So we see Ochako learning to use self-defense moves against someone with a knife. And this move that she learns will come up many times. Then we see poor Momo and Kendo watching Uobami sign stuff for fans instead of actually patrolling. Um, And then Kiri and Tetsu 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 are cleaning up a park. And Death Arms, who Jiro is interning with, lets her do support work on a rescue mission. So that's a very cool little moment for her. Yes. And I made a typo. It's not death arms that Toshi would get along with, even though they probably would. I think Toshi and fourth kind would get along because they like to pick up trash. And I wonder if they've ever met and like get together to do volunteer trash cleanup. I need this headcanon. Thank you very much. That's so cute. Yes. Yeah. I I imagine Toshi wanting to to bet on who would pick up the most trash and having an all-out trash competition. Oh my god, that is yes. genius. And his yes. would just dra- be dragged into it. 
Mm-hmm. It's so Urkiri and Tetsu Tetsu, Tetsu Tetsu. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Absolutely. And oh, adorable. And Izuku would be like analyzing their trash pickup strategies and <laughs> Kiri and TTTT are, are just like so done with all of them. God, that's adorable. Yep. yep. And then after all those little scenes that we see of the other students, we get to the reason we're all actually here, which is Sue's amazing hero internship adventure. So Sue is interning with Marine-themed hero Selkie and his sidekick Sirius, plus like a bunch of other sidekicks, but Sirius is the important one, and I don't know any of the others' names, so. They don't have names. They don't matter. They're just muscle. (laughs) Also, I feel like we need a pause for Selkie thirst. Um, (laughs) He is, he's pretty great. start i just i just want to hold him and be like don't listen to your crew you are super adorable and ruggedly beefy just live your best life honey yes yes selkie is the literal best even though i personally don't find him as subjectively attractive as gong orca go figure on that i don't know i'm not gonna attempt it's because to you explain like the angry it. ones i know exactly oh <laughs> yeah that's yeah. it that's it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that psychoanalysis. Um, but just let Selkie be a bimbo. Damn it. That's yes. what he wants to be. Let him live to live his best life. But also Horikoshi, I could have done without the crotch shot on, on Selkie. Like no. He does so many crotch shots. Like dude, calm really down. <laughs> also, so he is a hundred, a thousand and five percent himbo energy. I was gonna write a hundred, but then I added the typo, and I was like, you know what? No, no, a thousand and five. That yep. is the correct percentage. Absolutely, yep. fully agree. So we see Sue completing various chores, cleaning the boat. Um, she has a talk with Sirius about the unglamorous parts of hero work because who wants to intern and then just end up mopping? Um, but they talk about how these unglamorous parts of hero work are just as important as the fun and exciting parts, uh, which we get to very quickly because Selkie and his crew receive a mission from the Coast Guard to investigate a trade ship that had its cargo stolen. And in this little bit, we get uh, Selkie's quirk description, and basically he can do anything a spotted seal can. And <laughs> Horikoshi, I am so... I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed in your Spider-Man obsession. <laughs> Selkie man, Selkie man does whatever a spotted seal can. Get, I no. don't remember the rest of the words. Good. Cause you need to leave. You need to leave right now. <laughs> How dare you? All right. All right. All right. I'll stop. Um, <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> well, I genuinely don't remember the rest of the words, so I can't keep going, but <laughs> Does anybody, honestly? <laughs> Someone out there does. If you know the full words, send us a TikTok. Yes, please. With the adapted Selkie lyrics. We oh, yes. Them. Yes, please. And thank you. So everyone searches for this, you know, these supposed robbers, um, but they don't find anything until a message comes in about a boat that might belong to the thieves. Uh, so Selkie orders them to sneak up on the boat with the lights off, and then he boards it without Sue, who was very disappointed. Her poor, sweet, disappointed face. How dare. 
Oh, yes. How dare he protect his unlicensed child student? Yes. How very responsible of him. How dare he? How very dare indeed. So long story short, the boat is a red herring and Selkie gets captured. And Sirius finds this out because she and Selkie can communicate using really high-pitched clicks. So Selkie, you know, does the whole clicking thing, and then Sirius has really good hearing, so she can pick him up, um, and he lets her know what's going on. Uh, So they continue their search, and they eventually find the real boat with the stolen cargo. And one of the thieves tries to intimidate Sue into telling everyone to call off the search uh, by threatening Sirius. But you know... Our girl is not giving in to intimidation because this froggy child has balls of friggin' steel and we love her. And she conveys their location to Selkie anyway. And he's able to show up and, or sorry, he's able to escape and he shows up late to the party, but he also kicks the major ass. So we forgive him and the cargo is recovered and the day is saved. Yes, but also I have to point out that like several pro heroes really just got shoved into a big hole. So like, (laughs) yeah, you know, that wouldn't have happened to Sue. Yeah. But, but can we, can we like suspend their licenses too? Like if you get shoved into a hole Scooby-Doo style, no, (laughs) you need, you need some continuing education courses anyway. (laughs) Also, I have to make it real for just a moment. Uh, Sue really just almost got killed via head trauma twice in like within a couple months, like. It's I an hope anime. she's in therapy. She's fine. I know, but like, <laughs> honey. <laughs> Ugh, poor thing. Yeah, she really, really is good at keeping cool through some major crises. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Sue learns her lesson about what heroism really means, and she gets official recognition from both Selkie and the Coast Guard, as she deserves. Good job, Sue. And I know we discussed um, in the previous episode, like how heroes aren't supposed to do things for accolades, but like this felt different to me and I'll go into more detail in the discussion topics. Um, But that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Now for Maria's science corner. There is no science this week. Just good old (laughs) serotonin from this episode. Oh, so great. Yes. Um, Also, I need to pause because I'm getting a migraine aura. So I need to go take some Motrin really quick. I'll be right back. Okay, do we need to? No, we can keep going. I just need to take Motrin so it kicks in okay. in time. Yeah, I'll okay. be right back. <laughs> okay, we're back. Okay, so to start our f- start our f- our, f- our f- <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes channel- sense. <laughs> I channeled Selkie you for sound- a minute there. <laughs> I was gonna say you sound like a harbor seal. Oh goodness. To start off our discussion topics, we are going to start with Ochako's new moves that Fern has a lot of feelings about. Mm-hmm. So I forgot that this particular move is specifically designed um, to help you combat people who are coming at you with a knife. And like Horikoshi has really been planning Togachako from the very beginning, and there will be more on this at the end of the episode because it's very spoilery, but I have a lot of thoughts. Yes, and I am I am so glad that I convinced you to leave this in to in the notes. <laughs> I cannot wait. It's it's just gonna be word vomit, but it's gonna be very passionate word vomit. I love it. Um 
Also, I love the implication that people who aren't as strong or aren't as equipped as others can still win or be successful if they're creative and calm. Like Ochako may not be capable of the sheer brute force that Katsuki, Izuku, and Shoto are. I don't think we should assume that she'll never be their equal just because her quirk isn't as powerful. Exactly. Like different types of strength can be just as strong as each other. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. She just has to get crafty. Yeah. And we know she crafty. Yes, we do. All right. So moving along, we're going to touch on how following orders is actually heroic. Yeah. So this is very different from the version of heroism that Western culture encourages. And like, I can see some pitfalls, like some orders aren't moral to follow, and I'm sure many real-life examples come to mind right away, and I don't have to bring them up by name, Mm -hmm. but like, I do like how this lesson emphasizes cooperation and how you often truly can trust others to do their damn jobs while you do yours, like especially if you're working towards some kind of common good. Exactly. It's teamwork, not individualism, y'all. Yes. And learning to trust the people around you can just be just as successful as you taking out someone by yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like it's not on, it's not all on you. Cause like Western media has this tendency to do this thing where there's this one special person who's the only one brave enough to do the right thing or even be smart or special enough to figure out what the right thing is. And then their heroism is marked by them going against what they're told and being the only right one at the end of the story. And like, I've always felt like this sort of narrative, like it kind of almost infantilizes others. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you're not the only capable one on the planet. You're not the only one trying to do right by others. And your way isn't the only way. And we just need to stop treating people like they're beneath us. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, the origins of this go all the way back to like demigod myths of various cultures. But the most current version we're familiar with was formulated by Christians taking a couple of Bible verses like way out of context and then deifying their martyrs. And then it got turned into American exceptionalism. And then it spread even farther via like chosen one narratives in comic books and young adult novels. So now everyone in the U.S. has a martyr complex in case our foreign listeners were wondering what the fuck is wrong with us. We have we have several things wrong with us and they all kind of trickle back to this as well. Anyway. Sorry for that rant. No, I love the rant. I love it. Um, Like while the chosen one zeitgeist is obviously attractive to individual folks, especially those of us who are raised in the U.S. with all of that mythology into our just built in to our society. uh, Being a team of heroes is just as heroic as being the one that wins all caps. but they also get all the trauma if they are just the single one person that wins. So like, Mm -hmm. and also all of this does tie back into Stain's obsession with self-sacrifice and doing right, but refusing anything in return, like all of that being the only way to do things. And also tying into Horikoshi's whole motif, purposely changing from, (laughs) this is a spoiler, pretty big spoiler. Uh, it's the whole story changing from how Izuku's journey to become the world's best hero, it actually becomes all of class 1A's journey to being the world's best heroes together. Mm -hmm. So like, even though this is 
technically a filler episode it it just builds up all the motifs that were going into it great work just it really really does and like not just class 1a but like absolutely everyone like all the citizens um, Mm -hmm. you know have this opportunity to help each other and be heroic Mm-hmm. exactly yeah so from a storytelling perspective this filler episode did its job just fine oh yeah very very well horikoshi he doesn't actually believe in filler episodes none of the filler episodes no. are actually filler they, they all do something really important yes <laughs> and how dare he be so in tune with emotional character development anyway mm-hmm. uh our final discussion point is how different it was for Sue getting praised at the end of this episode. Yeah. So this instance felt more to me like they were acknowledging how capable and strong she is and like taking her seriously as a future professional mm-hmm. instead of just showering her with attention for attention's sake, like we see with Endeavor and all these other pro heroes. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I really tried hard to figure out what I was trying to say. <laughs> and I think what I was trying to get to is that affirmation and praise like they are similar but they're also different like everyone has a basic need for affirmation even if we should do things without expecting praise yes you explained that very well um also like this was all done within the ranks of those people who were dealing with the mission it was not about getting just abject praise from the public like the troublesome trio would have gotten completely agree And it was coming from a place of honest respect for a job well done, not to glorify her as it happens a lot to the people in the show. Yes. Mm, Yeah, that's a really good point too. Thank y'all for helping me figure out what I was trying to say. (laughs) You said what you were trying to say perfectly. Good job. We just added upon it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was beautiful. I loved it. We got to give you your affirmation too, sweetie. All right. Affirmations so. all around. We all did amazing. Great job. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So because there are no manga differences to discuss, we're going to go right into Easter eggs. And this is basically just me being, just pointing out the things I noticed uh, and how like Selkie and his crew's anime onlyness again, even though it's anime only, it's not a filler episode. But also, uh, Selkie and Sirius do actually come back around in season five uh, and maybe other places. I don't remember. There's so much content. But oh, like, so yeah, much. <laughs> they they actually come back. So we can, oh, I know what I was thinking of. Okay, yeah, so season five and then we will get to it later. But y'all can look forward to them returning. They are They are in the story. They are canonical. Yes, I love them. All right. So for some reason, I don't know why this decided to come into my brain, but I need to talk about how Finn and Shiggy has fingerless gloves. I know he's not at all in this episode, but I just had (laughs) a galaxy brain moment. So it is a complete tangent. So don't try and like connect the two, but like Sirius's four fingered gloves that I'm pretty sure she just wears for fashion. Uh, they reminded me of the fact that in the like shared AU, the Fanon has where Shiggy is using four or three fingered gloves to prevent accidental dustification. Like it, this wouldn't actually help if he makes a fist with the gloves. Cause then would it not? he has the five fingertips touching the glove. Like 
oh well i guess if he lays all of his fingers very flat but that's not a very natural like your fist doesn't naturally make that kind of shape yeah like it it doesn't work just anatomically i don't like it he needs four fingered gloves and then like the other fingertip completely covered with a separate finger glove piece like (laughs) it's very small but it's always bothered me and the dogs agree (laughs) (laughs) the dogs can sense your distress yes um also my mom just came home um also also with these very special gloves they should also give it them to uraraka for, for like how she has to wear gloves while she sleeps so she doesn't oh, yeah, sleep the float mitts. yeah like <laughs> it, it, i digress but it, it it just made me go galaxy brain for a minute there oh my goodness all right so my final point before we go into fern's points that are spoilery um I want to point out how the fantasy AU is actually kind of pertinent, um, like to the actual plot of the story. So in the final frames of the fantasy AU credit scene, there is like a frame or two that show there is a like just a big giant villain that um, fantasy Izuku and Katsuki are facing like with the rest of the class and like that giant horned figure could arguably be a demon lord Mm. aka what afo has been emulating all along like how did i miss that how very dare we were too distracted by the au opportunities (laughs) true but like it's literally right there (laughs) i'm sure that was probably horikoshi's intention but unfortunately pretty colors so (laughs) pretty colors and magic wands yeah Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. fine all right so that's all i have let's go right into what fern has planned for us Yes, because I am not done talking about Togachako, because when am I ever done talking about Togachako? <laughs> never. <laughs> never, never. We love Literally it. Literally never. I bring it up constantly. So yes, as Nicole mentioned, major manga spoilers ahead. So if you want to bow out now, this is the final thing we're going to talk about. So you can go ahead and consider the episode over. Goodbye. Have a good day slash evening. Eat your veggies. Get some sleep. I love you. Breathe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So as readers know, recent manga chapters featured the beginning of the Faded Toga Chaco showdown, like the super final Faded Toga Chaco showdown, and then Horikoshi very rudely cut away before the fight got interesting. Um, <laughs> but I do think it's safe to say that Ochako's gonna quote-unquote win the conflict one way or another, um, mostly because if she doesn't, I will get my new weapon and I will rage. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I love your anger for this in our casual fuck up episodes. It's beautiful. I am so nervous about it, but whatever. Yes. That's besides the point. That's that's our <laughs> other mini series. Because I read those chapters so recently and then watched this episode, like it just really brought out my Toga Chaco feelings like, whoa. And I realized that my comment about Ochako learning how to defeat people more powerful than her applies perfectly to that battle with Ochako. I'm with Toga, sorry. (laughs) Cause like Toga is way overpowered, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you count her support items, especially like she's, she's got a way too much power. Um, and I feel like this is going to be a really rough ass battle for Ochako, even with Sue as her teammate. 
um, because Sue is there and she's amazing and you know she's going to do great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I just can't help but feel like the lessons Ochako learned in this episode are going to directly apply to the battle, like not just the disarming move, which I'm pretty sure she has used on her before, but like what it represents, like we're going to dive into it more fully. And my suspicion is that Ochako is going to win, like, you know, not just because she's cool in a crisis, but because she spent a lot of time thinking about Toga and Toga's motivations, how she feels about Toga. Like Ochako is in touch with herself in a way that Toga isn't, partially because she needs that level of introspection to have a chance against someone as powerful as Toga. Like Toga's whole theme is what happens when you repress yourself until you break And like her psychotic break is a perversion of self-acceptance that I think Ochako might be able to help her start unraveling so she can start truly accepting herself if Horikoshi lets her live. Please, Horikoshi, Horikoshi. (laughs) let her live. (laughs) Especially because, you know, in like a weird inverse, Toga is very upfront about her crush on Izuku, whereas Ochako, you know, kind of has mirrored Toga's larger struggle um by like wanting to deny her crush with izuku so like the foundation has already been laid i feel like and yeah i mean that's just precisely what makes them narrative foils and i know my ship will never be canon and it kills me every day but if i'm even remotely right this is still going to be hella gay (laughs) yes and i mean i will hope for you that it does turn out to be canon and to add like a tiny little note um ochako has always been way more self-actualized than she even gives herself credit for mm-hmm. uh like going into hero work not only to help others but to become financially successful for her family that's some next level introspection Absolutely, absolutely. And I feel like this move, for whatever reason, just really showcases that beautifully. Also, why are narrative foils always so goddamn gay every (laughs) single time? I can't think of a single one that isn't incredibly homo. Right, right. It's it's because opposites are never truly opposite and enemies to lovers will always be peak storytelling. And when it's sapphic, you don't have to deal with as much patriarchal bullshit. Also, I know this was a rhetorical question, but I answered it anyway, because it's my podcast and I do what I want. (laughs) So yeah, that's all I got. All right. Well, I love both of (laughs) y'all so much. Thank you. Thank you. I literally just. I literally just saw the section. I was like, mm, not my problem. <laughs> Bria's just going to sit back with her machete and just enjoy Fern and I mildly bursting into flames. It's fine. Yep. It's great. <laughs> it's okay. I, I enjoy it. Oh, I'm just God. here for the lit giggles. Yes. Just, uh, Toga's my favorite character. If I have to watch her die, I'm going to die. Yeah, yeah, you are. And <laughs> I I don't even know how to make that better, but she better survive. Horikoshi. Please, Horikoshi, please. Just let her live. I'm Literally. asking for the bare minimum here. <laughs> Literally. It does not have to be a big redemption. Just let her live so she can redeem herself later and also mm-hmm. get So I can go write fan fiction about it. Yes. I can do either way, but I'd like her to be alive in canon. Yes, exactly this. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. So many feelings from the filler episode itself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we had to make it emotional. <sighs> 
I mean, what what do y'all listeners even expect? <laughs> yeah, this meltdown is pretty par for the course. Yeah, yeah. Pretty yeah. Much. Yep. Yep. So I, I'm going to go try to survive the weekend of moving forever and ever and ever. So like, wish me luck listeners. Yeah. That's all I got today. It's going to go by so in a month. So. Oh, yep. Yep. Ugh. Mo- moving sucks. Any listeners who have not had to move as an adult, it sucks. It sucks, but it, it really does. Especially like when you ha- have all the furniture like everything you could possibly ever need. Yep. And then you move to a new place. And you have mm-hmm. to move it all. Yeah. 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 All that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff that like makes you really happy inside. You have to pack all that. Yep. yep. And you have to move it all and you get very sweaty and I don't like it. And, and uh, it's yeah. do what I do and dissociate the whole time. You won't remember a thing. <laughs> it's like laughing gas. Oh, sure. Sure. Yes. That, that, no. Okay. We're, we're, we're going to, we're going to end this before we give any other dubious medical advice. So this has been my hero analysis. You'll hear us again soon. And in the meantime, go beyond plus ultra and thirst responsibly. Bye y'all. Thanks again for listening. Theme music is The Happy Cowboy by Gary the Canary, remixed by Fern. If you'd like to submit questions, fan art, or bonus episode topics, visit our website at myheroanalysis.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under at myheroanalysis. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Bye, (laughs) y'all.